Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. Offices open, my friends. With me is, of course, Adam Ronas, who went to uh, yesterday's uh, Met-Yankee game. How was the Subway Series? Well, the nightcap was good. I was there for the win. Uh, Mets jumped out right away. Pete Alonso three-run bomb in the first inning, so uh, had good seats, then went into the Delta Suite. So, yeah, look, the Mets are not going to make the playoffs, so that was kind of – it's always nice to beat the Yankees and to smack them at home. you got to take that victory when you can. Was the fan addict upset? No. Why would he be upset for it? Like, I don't see he's how a Yankee fan. Could... He's a Yankee yeah, fan. Yeah, but wh- if you're a Yankee fan, why are you upset right now? You split. No, was he upset that they injuries? lost the game? Was he upset nah, that they lost the game? I don't think so. Are Modica and Vaccaro Yankee or Met fans? Mets. Oh, so it's three to one. Yes. Okay, I got you. So, uh, well, no, I was, I was actually shocked because I know that a lot of people played Paxson last night in DFS, and that was a bad life decision, Adam. Yeah, I wouldn't have paid up for Paxton only just because I don't know how healthy he is. You know, it disturbs me when during his rehab, he's like, yeah, I still have pain in the knee, but I'll try and pitch through it. Players usually are not open like that. And they say, yeah, I'm fine. But he openly admitted that he's having pain in the knee. And that was the reason why I didn't want to pay up for him this year. I love Paxton as a pitcher. He's dominant. But he has never thrown more than 163rd inning, 161, which is last year's career high. And I understand we are looking at pitchers differently now where we'll take 180 out of them, but I don't want to pay for a guy in the third, fourth round where I know going into the season, I'm praying that he can get 160. And I know he's on the Yankees, and yes, he'll win games, but his injuries are there every single year. You know, it's it's every single year. And he's already saying now that he has pain in the knee, and he said it during his rehab. And I know he came back, had a couple good starts, but – I don't see you, uh, why you would pay up for a guy like that in DFS, but his numbers at home. Could be, no, you would because when he's, when he's good, he is sensational. He's seven innings, 10 strikeouts, one run. When he's good, he he's that good. Been. But he has No, I know, but I'm saying back. you're asking me why would you pay up. You pay up because in a GPP, if he's on, he wins you, he wins you a lot of money. That's why. Well, well I'm saying I, would, I wouldn't have done it since he's come back. And he has right. not gone deep into games. Right. No, it's a different different pitcher. I agree with that. I think the thought was yesterday that he was ramping up his pitch count. But Alonzo was all over him the first inning. He was pitching from behind from the beginning. So it's a, you know, it was not a good start. But Jason Vargas has been pitching very well. At the very least, you would have thought the Yankees would have jumped on him. Didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, they he was in trouble a couple times. The third inning, he got out of it. You know, they did get some hits off him. But he settled down, had a couple of quick innings in the sixth and seventh. Uh, to get through, or was it the sixth? Yeah, the fifth and sixth, because I think they went to Familia in the seventh. So, yeah, look, he kind of did this last year, too, and then fell apart, so I, I still don't trust him long-term. I also people picked him up in a two-start week. Uh, I didn't put bids in on him. Obviously, the first start went well, and uh, we'll see 
uh, what they do here on uh, in his next start. I'm not in the New York area anymore. I used to be. I'm not anymore. What's the buzz on Pete Alonso? Because I would like to think that the Mets are just ecstatic about this guy. Or is this the, oh, glass is half empty. Maybe it, it could all end soon. You know, uh, whatever, Chicken Little. Because I just am so impressed by this guy every time he's a play, up, at, up at the plate. No, nah, everyone loves him. Uh, I think he has the right attitude as well. You know, he's really adjusted to New York. He's actually been the one with the positive attitude, even after the tough losses. He comes out and he's always looking at the positive. So he's obviously a big threat at the plate. And uh, yeah, he's gone through streaks where he struggled a little bit, but the power has been there all season long. And you know, we were talking about it yesterday. I mean, he's pretty much got to be the representative for the Mets in the All-Star game. You would have thought that it would be a pitcher, but right now, none of them are pitching at an All-Star level. Even DeGrom, maybe Edwin Diaz, but Alonso's got to be uh, the Mets representative in the All-Star game with the way he's playing right now. Do you move Al- Alonso down to like fourth in the order, or do you leave him up where he is? Because he's seeing a lot of fastballs where he is. Nah, I think it's he's fine where he is. I mean, I, I don't even know if the order's a big deal right now with this team. Uh, they just have too many holes in the lineup. Uh, you know, Nemo should come back. And, you know, I know he was struggling, but maybe it was because he was trying to play through that neck injury and neck pain. I mean, he clearly had it for a while. And, again, this happens with a lot of players. They try and go out there and, and be the tough guy and don't say anything. And, obviously, it was clearly affecting him because Nemo looks not even close to the player he was last year. So he's rehabbing now. So if he gets back and, and can get on base, that'll help the lineup. Cano was rehabbing last night, and I saw some video. He's still not running well. I don't even know why he's playing, man. And the Mets make the stupidest decisions in the world. I know Cano doesn't bust it out, but he looked like he was not healthy running. I don't know why he's playing. Sit him. Yeah, I thought they were putting him back on the DL. He was on the injured list, but he right. started a rehab assignment. Okay, but I thought he went back on that. Wasn't he they did. talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I liked getting Diaz. I did. But I really had no interest in Cano. Well, that they know, weren't going to get Diaz if, the, if they didn't I take know, Cano. That was I part know. of the deal. I know. And I think they thought, well, maybe we could get a, a couple of years out of this guy. I don't know, man. I, I think he's like the Sean Alexander of baseball. He seems shot. He just seems shot to me. And they're batting him third. Uh, look, I can get behind. You want him and you got him. You want a Diaz, I get him. Why do you still have to bat him third? Bat him sixth. What do you want, Carlos Gomez third? But Cano can't even hit anymore. All right, did you see this lineup, Doc? Who do you want third? Jeff they McNeil. Have... He hits leadoff, so who's Put Rosario, Rosario at one. Oh, Rosario at one, Alonzo at two, McNeil at three. You, have you seen Rosario's on-base percentage? <laughs> no, it's bad. This team is bad. Man, this team is bad. It's terrible. I mean, this ownership has really done a number on this team. I don't, you know, Adam, I always look for the pathway, right? I just don't see a pathway to a World Series. I don't see it, dude. Well, I don't see the pathway to playoffs. So yeah, I just don't. I mean, the Braves are getting better, and they've got a, gr- a lot of young arms. I mean, they sucked for a bunch of years, but they're getting better. Acuna and you know they they Riley. I, I mean, the the Marlins. I see a pathway to the Marlins making the playoffs. I see a pathway for the Marlins more than I do for the Mets. How how embarrassing is that? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, they still have a lot of questions on offense. They have some good arms. But their but... pitchers are pretty good. Yeah, and two of them are hurt now. So, Would you rather th- – who do you think, betting, if you had to go to Vegas right now and bet, who makes the playoffs first, Marlins or Mets? Do you take the Mets? Well, yeah. I mean, they're close. 
this year if things break right for them. I mean, think about it. Look where they are now. If Syndergaard, Wheeler, and DeGrom all turn it around and Matz has been good, they're still in the wild card hunt. The Marlins are far behind. So, yeah, I'm going to take – things could break right for the Mets. We've seen them get hot before, 2015, 2016, to made a wild card. So, well, yeah. when you have pitching, when you have pitching, it's a, you can always get hot. It's true. All right. Uh, Corey Seager, going to miss several weeks. Yeah. And the second year in a row, he's going to be out for a, a huge length of time. Who do we see at shortstop? Does Taylor go to shortstop? What do you think they do? Yeah, they'll mix Taylor and Hernandez at shortstop. So both will get an uptick in at-bats. Are you okay with Kiki against righties as well as lefties? Because you know he's great against lefties. How do you like him against righties? Yeah, he's fine. I mean, uh, he got off to the hot start and has cooled off. Uh, but, yeah, I'm fine with him uh, against righties. I, I think the Dodgers will survive this. It is unfortunate because Seeker was actually starting to heat up. But there's been a problem for him throughout his career. Is just he's had a hard time staying on the field. It's a lot of different injuries. And, you know, I was watching the game last night, and he would have scored the run. But right when he was playing in the third base, you, he immediately grabbed his hamstring, and you knew it wasn't good. And they're saying it's a grade two. Oh, yeah, grade two is like four to six weeks. Could even be six to eight weeks. Right? Yeah, he's definitely missing a, a good amount of time. If I'm them, I'm bringing him back. What are we now? June, July, August. I'll bring him back around mid-August and just play him in slowly so I can have him for the playoffs. Right? Yeah, they don't need to rush them. They're in good shape. They're going to win that division. Should have the best record in the National League unless they really cool off. But, yeah, they're, they're in really good shape. They have some depth. I mean, you know, Taylor's not had a great year, but you can get by with him uh, hitting at the bottom of the order anyway. So, yeah, the Dodgers are in really good shape regardless. How excited are you about Mike Clevenger? Looks like he's returning to the rotation next week against the Rangers. Yeah, he'll be pitching Monday, so should be in line for a two-start week. He had a good rehab start yesterday. He wasn't good in his first one, so definitely happy about that As uh, for someone that has him in four leagues. And it was a big loss because he went out there first two games of the season and was dominant. And you're like, oh, okay, this is uh, the Clevenger I was hoping for. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. All right, let me give you a couple other guys. Jesus Luzardo seems to be ramping up, and Colin McHugh as well. So do, would you go place a bid on either of those guys and just stash them right now? McHugh, probably not, because I don't think he goes back into the rotation. Uh, I haven't seen any indication of that. So if he's just pitching out of the bullpen, it's not really helpful for his fantasy value. Luzardo is more tricky. I actually drafted him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and I've held on, which – uh, we'll find out if it works out because I did have other injuries, but because uh, we have no IL spots, we play by NFBC rules. So I've held on to him, and obviously I'm not dropping him now after he made a, an appearance yesterday in rehab and might still be, you know, several weeks away. But he was in high A yesterday, right? So yeah, got to go to. Is he going to go to double A or triple A? Uh, I don't know what the plan is for the next start. He threw 33 pitches. He threw three scoreless innings, no walks, two strikeouts. So that's a, a good sign. And he was going to be in the rotation. There was a lot of buzz for him in the spring. So I think in deeper formats, if you have room to stash him, you could pick him up. Uh, and I, I've held on to him. So I know it's probably going to be another three weeks, a month maybe. They're, they're not going to rush him back. I kept him in uh, tout. I kept well, him in tout. Well, you got IL spots. That's yeah. an easy one. How done, seriously, how done is Chris Archer at this point? Five home runs against the Braves. I know the Braves are a home run hitting team. But is Chris Archer just, I mean, droppable, cuttable, any other word for it? 
Yeah, I wrote about him a few weeks ago. I wrote about him a few weeks ago in, in the Stock Watch, basically saying he's all reputation right now. It's because it's Chris Archer. You know, if you just took away the name and dug deep and looked at the stats, you'd be like, oh, why do I want this guy on my team? I mean, the strikeouts are still there. He's walking too many guys. He's giving up a lot of home runs. And even before this year, like, people forget his ERA was over four, three straight years. And you started to see a little bit diminished stuff last year. So, yeah, it's I have Archer nowhere, so I can't really make a comparison. And I understand in these 15-team leagues, it's really tough because you're running some bad pitchers out there. But Archer has really not shown anything. Uh, he was good early on. Then he got hurt, so maybe he's still hurt, but he's just not the same pitcher that he was. And I know you didn't like this guy, but Mike Fulton-Nevich, you were not on him in the beginning of the season. He's just another four runs. Uh, I mean, I thought he was turning a corner, but I guess not. Yeah, he had four decent starts where the walks got better, but it's just tough, too. Uh, the home park doesn't help him. And another guy where, you know, you wonder how healthy he is because – the strikeouts are down. He's allowing a ton of home runs. And, again, a lot of pitchers are this year. You know, it's a problem. You know, that's the, the issue for Zach Wheeler. If you look a lot of his numbers, they're good. It's the home runs. He's already allowed, I think, as many home runs as he did all of last year. Uh, but Fulton Awich, I clearly, look, for years I had him on all my fantasy teams. Last year was the first year I didn't have him, and he had his best year. But there were a lot of things there that said that was not going to continue. His walk rate was still high last year. This year, the strikeouts are down 10%, man. I mean, that's a lot. That's a huge, huge jump. He's allowing way more hard contact. So I just don't know if he's 100% because uh, the strikeouts are not there. And that's the one thing. If you're going to have a pitcher that's struggling right now, you want him to at least get you strikeouts. And you're not even getting that from Fulty. I know, I know. And you, and you really were hoping to get that from Fulty. Should we be worried about Patrick Corbin? Because it's gotten ugly recently yeah uh it's crazy because he was one of the best pitchers in the last few starts have really really been bad so you wonder if there's something wrong with him too you know any anytime you see that stretch where a pitcher just struggles you start to question whether they're they're pitching through an injury and, and uh i didn't really see the velocity readings for him yesterday so i don't know if it's that but you know strikeouts are still there but man uh this stretch has really been terrible for corbin yeah, I mean, I, I I have Corbin, and I was I got a trade offer yesterday. Let me run it by you. I, I mean, I think the answer is no, but see what you say. Somebody offered me um, J.D. Martinez and Zach Eflin for Tommy Pham and Patrick Corbin. I'm thinking the answer is no because I think Corbin is too good, but not in the last couple starts. Yeah, it's two of the last three starts have been bad. The start against San Diego wasn't terrible except for the five walks, but it was just the three starts ago against Miami do a complete game four hit shutout. So would you do that deal? Do you like Martinez and Eflin or would you keep fam and Corbin? I'd probably hold fam and Corbin. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I like JD, but I like JD too, but you know, the back is always, is, is going to be something that's there all year. And it's just hard to find pitching, you know, cause Eflin's not the answer. Right? No, I mean, look, Eflin's a, I mean, do you, is he, a, is he just a guy or is he more than just a guy? Nah, it's just the guy. All, all those Phillies pitchers. Now they keep moving. I, I cough to the bullpen. Arietta hasn't been great. That's why. Like, I'm amazed. Like, the Phillies are where they are because they really haven't had any huge years offensively from anyone. Like, if you look at all their offensive numbers, they're fine. But no one's having a Josh Bell, Cattell Marte type year. They're all average. And Nola hasn't been good. Arietta hasn't been good. 
they have a, a ton of injuries in the bullpen with Dominguez hurt now and Robertson hurt. So it's amazing that the Phillies have kind of stayed afloat here the way they have because I just haven't been impressed with their pitching. And that's what I was worried about. Everyone's like, oh, Phillies got this division. I didn't see it because I, I still think they have uh, question marks on the pitching. Isn't that actually a good sign? If you could stay afloat this way, maybe that, that's a sign of good things to come. Uh, yeah, it could also be product of, you know, the teams you're playing to. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, the same thing with the Yankees. The Yankees have had a ton of injuries. Now they're about to get back Stanton and Judge, and, you know, that lineup will be even better if it can get better. I just always think, like, if you could be in the middle or a little bit of above middle when you're sucking, how good are you going to be when you finally hit your stride? That's, you know? Well, they've been fortunate that pretty much everyone in the lineup has stayed healthy. Uh, they really haven't had injuries, so that's kind of helped. I know uh, they have brief injuries with a couple guys, Kingery, and obviously having Kingery step in with Odebel Herrera and his troubles has really helped out. That's true. I, I Kingery, you know, everybody was so high on him last year, and then he was sucked, so people forgot him, but he's still a useful player. By, by, yeah, sure. I took him in the reserve round of a draft earlier this year and had to cut him because he wasn't playing. Wow. Bet you regret that one. Well, I mean, you make the right decision at the time. He wasn't playing every day in April. Uh, that's true. All right, you won't regret listening to our next segment when we have Jeff Burgesson talking about Pebble Beach DFS for PGA right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631 Let DailyRoto.com guide you to victory as you swing for the fences playing Daily Fantasy Baseball. Become the 8th Daily Roto lineup optimizer to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament or become part of the growing community who have won thousands of dollars. If you're playing MLB DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Enter promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount. The 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use the promo code FNTSY and get your 10% discount today. All right, we're back for full-time fantasy, and it's time for somebody to be a full-time millionaire 
if you're playing on DraftKings this weekend because it's the Pebble Beach U.S. Open. Jeff Burgesson from Fantasy Golf Insider. What's up? How's it going, Doc? Things are great. How, how good is it having the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach? I'm psyched. Oh, it's, I'm very much looking forward to it. Last week was a great week for me, Jeff, except for one thing. I had Beauregard, and if I didn't have him, I had a team with McElroy, Lowry, Willette, Munoz, and, yep. and somebody else. I had like five guys who were all in the top, uh, top ten except for Beauregard. cost me a fortune. Yeah, sometimes it is just that one guy, uh, you know, in your core. But it sounds like you did pretty well. I think a lot of Fantasy Golf Insider members did well last week. It was uh, a big week. There was a lot of uh, our logo up top, the leaderboards on DraftKings. That's a beautiful thing to see. All right, let me ask you this. Before we get started with the players, I don't like what DraftKings is doing. They've got a $100 entry fee to be in the Millionaire Maker with 33,000 of my closest friends. And then if I want to do 100,001 for 58,000 of my closest friends, it's 10 bucks. Whatever happened to just the $20? <laughs> yeah, I, I, they're a little light on entries too in that $100 one. I think they just kind of outprice so many people, right? It's 150 team maximum. So you're going to get all the high volume, high dollar guys in that. But you have the, the littler guys who usually throw in a couple, maybe $20 millionaire teams. It's like a hundred bucks is pretty significant increase from that. And you know, if you only got a hundred bucks to play, you got one team against other guys who are playing a hundred. I couldn't agree with you more. Usually I'd be like, all right, it's 20 bucks. I'll throw 10 teams in right now. I'm throwing sure. none. I'm throwing zero in. I literally have zero action in the millionaire maker. Yep. And I think that's probably why the numbers are, are down pretty much. And they might not fill it either. So, I mean, what do you tell people? I, I think the, the, the steal is the one where it's the 20-entry uh, max. Yes, and, and, and contest selection is probably the most important thing um, as a reflection of your bankroll, right? So you have to find the right contest for you. Depending on how much money you're playing, it doesn't help you to throw in one team if other people are throwing in 150. So there's the 20 max, which is good. There's a lot of three entry max that would fit folks bankrolls. Um, there's also that mini max tournament, which is 50 cent entry. So if you want to do a hundred teams, use a lineup generator um, and, and build around your core, you can do 150 teams for 75 bucks, right? Um, I, a lot of our members love that. And you know, we, we do really well in that event. Yeah, no, that's much better. And I think people out there, look, I know we all want to be a millionaire. I get that. Nobody wants to be a millionaire more than me and my friend Jeff Ferguson. I can just tell you, be careful because don't, don't, don't. You're, you're competing with people who are very top heavy, right, Jeff, who are spending a lot of money to be in that millionaire maker. Totally. Put yourself on a level playing field. Don't have one team against someone else's 150. Play down so that you are on a level playing field, whether that's a three entry max or 150 teams in the 50 cent or 20 teams in the quarter arcade, uh, be on a level playing field, and then determine, you know, that's if you're a good player, you're going to see that, and you're going to build a bankroll off of that. Don't overextend yourself and put yourself at a disadvantage. All right, let's get to the players here. Brooks Kepka has just been a, uh, a major's god, but is this the right course for him? I wonder if it is, and I'm, I'm thinking of pulling a fade. 
you know, I, I hear a lot of that, actually. It's like people don't want to own Brooks. Um, they're looking for reasons. Now, I will say you are exactly right, Doc. This isn't a course like Aaron Hills where he won um, or Shinnecock, which has wide open fairways. You can get out and bomb, um, and he can really shoot at those courses. That's not to say he can't win at Pebble. He certainly can because he's got the, a good all-around game. He can win anywhere but he doesn't have that huge edge that he's had at those other courses. So I think it's a way um, to be able to pivot off of him if you, you know, if you want to. All right. If I'm pivoting off him, I worry about Rory who won last week. I don't like guys going back to back. Do I go in on DJ? Do I go in on Tiger? Well, the way it sounds and looks, it looks like Dustin Johnson's going to be the mega chalk up in this range now. Cause I've heard everybody saying they love Dustin Johnson and we know what's not to love. He's got an exceptional um, uh, approach game. He's played well at Pebble um, many times in this event, in the Pro-Am, the AT&T. Um, he's just great in U.S. Opens overall when, you, when they speed up the greens. So um, I love DJ, but I'm not the only one. Um, Rory, you know, he, he looked exceptional last week. Again, different course this week. He's, his driver isn't going to be able to um, – you know, lap the field like it normally does. He's going to have to club down because inaccuracy this week is going to be um, huge hindrance, and because the rough is nasty. All right, all right. So let's talk about Jordan Speed then, because sometimes he's very accurate and sometimes he's very inaccurate. Which Speed are you expecting to see this week? Probably the same one who's been incredibly inaccurate with his approach game, but he just puts the lights out, and that's what's carried him the last three finishes. It's been good enough to give him top 10s, and I think it can do that. Now, if his approach game actually uh, was good, yeah, he, he probably wins this week because his putting's been that good. He's had a ton of success at Pebble Beach in the past, so and, and he might be a little bit lower owned in this this 10K range. He might be one of the lesser owned guys, so it's it's not a bad opportunity. All right, the next grouping, Cantley, Rose, Fowler. Um is this the right week for Cantlay? And then I worry, maybe Ricky is better off at the, the British Open than he is at the U.S. Open. Possibly. I think Cantlay is going to be very popular. He's been absolutely killing it this year, comes in red hot, and his around-the-green game has been better, which has always been a concern for me. So when that's clicking with his outstanding irons, he's, he's very, very good. I think he's going to be popular at 10K. I haven't heard a lot about Ricky Fowler this week, which is unusual because he usually is gets all the hype, and he's usually 20, 25 percent owned, especially in majors at this 90, you know, low $9,000 price. I haven't heard a lot from him. Um, I, I kind of like him. I think it's a little bit sneaky, and I think you could own him at 15, 20 percent. Uh, maybe be overweight the field. And uh, one of these times he's going to break out. It's not a bad course for him. He's got a great approach game. Um, so I think he can play well here. All right, let me get to the next grouping of players here. Justin Thomas, is he over his wrist injury? Can he contend? It sure looked like it last week. And I was watching closely when he was in Canada and he was outstanding from tee to green, uh, which is the concern with the wrist. It was just his putting that was terrible. So that could be due to rust. Now, this is an unusual price for him, and it's factoring in the fact that um, he hasn't been playing much and hasn't had tremendous results. But as good a player as he is, he should be in that 10K range. So this is a pretty pretty deep discount for Justin Thomas this week, and um, I, I will have exposure to him. 
Is it me or people overlooking John Rahm and Jason Day? Um, I think they're overlooking John Rahm, certainly. I don't think they'll overlook Jason Day just because of the tournament history at Pebble Beach. Um, John Rahm, certainly, he could um, approach low double-digit ownership this week. And uh, so that might be an opportunity. I worry a little bit about his inaccuracy off the tee because uh, that's going to be brutal this week. If you're not hitting fairways, you're going to get crushed. So I worry a little bit about that. Jason Day is interesting. He's missed the last two cuts in U.S. Opens. But, again, we've had different courses. He's been very good here. Elite uh, around the green play, excellent putter. So I'm liking I, – I would go with Day over Rom this week. All right, we're talking to Jeff Ferguson from FantasyGolfInsider.com. We're breaking down the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. going to be a great site for it. And I'm very much looking forward to watching the tournament. All right. And that nine, high eight, low 9,000, Molinari, Fleetwood, Matsuyama, Shoffley, Adam Scott, Kucher. A lot of names there that people know and like. Are these going to be very highly owned names? Yeah, I think all of them will get a ton of ownership because I think the lineup builds are going to look a lot like um, Dustin Johnson and one of these guys or two of these guys or Patrick Cantlay and two of these guys. Um, the guys, I, you know, Shoffley has, has showed up in big events, uh, and he does it time after time now. So I like him. He's um, he's a West Coast guy. He was played college, uh, San Diego State. So And, and 8700 is, is pretty phenomenal price. That's a great value. I like Matsuyama, who's trending well. The thing about Matsuyama is his tee to green game is always outstanding, probably top five in the world. It's always his putting that absolutely kills him. But when you look at our rolling stats on our website, it separates out time periods. And over his last 12 rounds, he's actually putting pretty well. And if he just puts mediocre, his tee to green game is so good that he can contend. And that's why you've seen his results uh, getting much better over the past month. All right. Paul Casey did me in so badly, I can't <laughs> even get over the scars. But something tells me he's going to have a good tournament. Yeah, because he's a perfect fit for Pebble, and he's played well here. Um, it's it's strictly <laughs> Paul Casey is such a mental <laughs> guy. Both himself, he gets in his own head, and then he messes with our DFS golf minds as well. Um, he was out with the flu the last time out that you're talking of when he when he withdrew. Uh, I guess he's over that now, but he's also had back issues that he's withdrawn on. Uh, I felt that um, <laughs> that wrath, um, but uh, if he is healthy and he's mentally into it, that's a great deal at 8,300. It's just I wouldn't I wouldn't invest too many teams into him because he's very volatile and he's up there with Louis Oosthuizen. And that you know, there's a lot of withdrawals coming from him over the years. All right, when we think of Pebble Beach, we think of two players, or at least I do. I think of Tiger and I think of Phil Mickelson. Is yep. Phil going to be very chalky this week? No, I don't think he will be. Um, great tournament history. Um, won here uh, the last time they played here on tour. However, it's a different course. Um, they've narrowed the fairways considerably. The rough is super thick now. For the, the AT&T event, the, they cut the rough down because it's a pro-am, so you have the amateurs. They don't want to bury those guys. So um, it's a much different course, and Phil has not been accurate at all. Um, he wants this major to, to give him the career grand slam. This is probably his last shot 
at winning a U.S. Open, I'm guessing, on this course because normally they play much longer courses. Um, I'm just kind of scared with how inaccurate he's been lately that if he gets in this rough, I think he can contend. I think he can finish close to, you know, missing, you know, badly missing the cut too. Um, but I don't think he's going to be heavily owned. So you could probably be overweight at 15 to 18% if you want to. I haven't heard a lot about DeChambeau. He hasn't really played very well, but he did have a good fourth round recently. Is he on the, on the, on the cusp of doing something good? Statistically, no. Uh, he's just been bad when you analyze the stats. Even his last time out, um, his stats were not very good in those four rounds, even though he finished 22nd at Memorial. You're right, he did uh, put up a 66 in the fourth round there, which was very promising. And if you would have said, you know, a year ago, if you were to get Bryson at 8,100 and minimally owned, you'd jump all over it. Now, I, I, I still just am not even ready for that. Um, I'm, I'm passing. All right. When we drop into the uh, high sevens, the Patrick Reed, the Leishman, the Garcia, the Webb. Garcia and Webb have really killed me this year at certain points. Do we like either of those guys? Do we like anybody in this pocket? Um, Garcia scares me a bit. He has been way off the last couple of times. Beth Page, I kind of gave him a pass, but then last week at RBC Canadian, he missed the cut again. I think I'm out on Garcia. Um, Simpson, he's been playing great this year, Doc. I don't know. Uh, Runner-up last Just the weeks week. that I play, when, when I play him, he doesn't play great. Like the two weeks that he's played poorly this year? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's all about me, Jeff. Forget you. It's all about me. You had him at Valspar. I know that. <laughs> I, I um, did. <laughs> he, yeah, he was awful that week. But um, overall, he's been very good, and I love the price there. So I'm in on Webb. Um, Patrick Reed, will, no, no one's going to own him or Leishman. Probably, you know, 9%, 10% maybe. So uh, Patrick Reed's been awful this year. Um, so he's way under people's radars. But he's one of those guys who can show up, and he's been good in the last couple of U.S. Opens. He's a big game player. Um, so I kind of think that's sneaky. You could have some exposure. Don't risk too much of your um, entire uh, lineups in him, but I- I'm taking a shot on him this week on, on you know, 15%. And that $7,600, $7,500 you got the Stensons, the Wallaces, the Poulter, the Snedekers, the Lowrys. Those guys will be very popular too, I think. Yeah, for sure. Snedeker... Most definitely be very popular. Jim Furyk will be very popular at 7,200. Those are guys who will be the massive chalk. So if, I think you probably should have exposure to them. But other guys, I don't think like Ian Poulter is going to be heavily owned. And uh, he usually shows up in these big tournaments. I kind of like him for Pebble Beach. He might be a little bit sneaky, actually. Um, Emiliano Grillo is kind of sneaky also at 7,400. He was a late add to the field on DraftKings. Uh, what that usually means is a little bit reduced ownership because people have already built some teams before these guys were released. Um, and he's been trending very positively over the past month or month to two months. Great irons game. So I think he's a good play down here as well. All right. If people want to do stars and scrubs, they need to go below 7,000 or 7,000 and below. Do you have some names for them? Uh, I would say don't do it. But um, if you had to own some, 7K or below, I'd say Scott Piercy at 7,000. I'd say Ches Reevy at 6,900. I'd say Eric Van Ruyen at 6,900. Maybe own a little bit of Burned Wiesberger. Um, that's about it. Uh, I wouldn't spend maybe Matt Jones at 67. That would probably be the furthest down I would own guys in that 6K range. 
So you would not do a build where you have four and two, the Stars and the Scrubs build. That would scare you. I would not own uh, very many guys in the 6K range at all. I would make sure that my lineup builds included guys in that low um, 7K range and adjust from there. All right. Give me the winner of the tournament. Uh, the winner of the tournament is going to be um, – well, I'll give you, I think, DJ. I think he wins it overall. Uh, if you want a longer shot, I'll say um, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. You could probably get pretty decent odds of him, maybe 25 to 30 to 1. And and who's the guy we haven't heard about yet, but we're going to hear about him on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, the long shot. Um, yeah. You know what? I'm just going to throw this crazy, and we didn't even mention him, Lucas Glover. You know, if you have a Ooh, couple of I like of bucks, him, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit sneaky there. Um, you get huge odds on him, but great um, uh, tee to green game. And he's good out of the rough, too. Look at rough proximity this week. It's a key stat. Um, and he's very good out of the rough. So is Dustin Johnson. So, All right. Well, Jeff Burson, I hope, I truly hope you're my rich friend at the end of this weekend. And thank you, as always, for coming on. Thanks, Doc. Good luck this week. All right. Talk to you soon, my friend. All right, that's Jeff Ferguson from FantasyGolfInsider.com. Check out. It's a great site. It has tools, uh, as, you know, of course, history and uh, advice articles and, and really prepares you as best that they can so that you can win big money in PGA DFS. When we come back, we're going to talk the night in fantasy baseball DFS, and we're going to try to get you rich paid, and we're going to try to get you paid there. We'll do it all when Full-Time Fantasy returns right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be. So we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Do you want two risk-free wagers up to $1,000? If so, go to PointsBet.com forward slash grid. Open yourself up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk-free bets of up to $1,000. In addition to traditional betting, PointsBets also offers its own betting concept where customers, they're rewarded by how much they win their bet. That's PointsBet.com forward slash grid. Enter the promo code GRID and get your two risk-free Risk-free bets of up to $1,000 today.
All right, we're back. Full-time fantasy. Dr. Order here with Adam Ronas. Ronas, I made two more picks in the, uh, the draft. Did you catch them? Yes, I did see them. I've never, I don't even know who Jordan Scarlett is, but I just know he's Christian McCaffrey's backup, and it's like round 21, and I can't go without him in a best ball league. Yeah, uh, they believe they drafted him this year. So that's where we are now because, remember, there's no defense and uh, no kickers. So it's all QBs, running backs, receivers, tight ends. So usually by now you have a couple defense kickers off the board, but we're not using them. I said to you, I thought we were going to make it. You're going to get to pick the round 20. So there you go. Well, I think you should I, wait. for. I doubt it's going to get to me today the way we're going. Yeah, no. So how many more picks does that leave you with? Four. Two? Four? Yeah. Well, I think you should just leave everybody on the clock. But uh, you, you may, by the time you get back, your next picks will come up. Round 23 and 24. By the time I come back? Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> we'll have to see. All right, let's get to the night in DFS. Uh, let's, the, the 7 o'clock starts. Edwin, ooh, the true, he's terrible. Edwin Jackson against David Hess. Do we just stack this game? It's a 10 and a half total. Yeah, you can. Uh, they, the other day when they asked, you know, why is Edwin Jackson still in the rotation, they basically said, we don't have any better options. So that's not a ringing endorsement of Edwin Jackson. And it shows where they're at. So, yeah, uh, over under 11, you can, you can get some Orioles bats in there against Jackson and Camden Yards. All right, Arizona against the Phillies. Merrill Kelly against Zach Eflin. Do we like Eflin, or is that the ball flying out in that park? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, we saw 13 home runs, a major league record two nights ago. Uh, Diamondbacks have been hit real well. Cattell Marte's on fire, Escobar. So uh, I, I, I don't want to go with Eflin here. All right, St. Louis against Miami. Miles Mikolas against Jordan Yamamoto. Uh, I'm sure Yamamoto will not be available on FanDuel. He might be on DraftKings. I haven't looked. Is he available? Did you see? I don't know. I'm not playing tonight. Oh, that, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, do you like Mikolas tonight, though? Yes. Uh, we've seen pitchers in Miami always pitch well, and we've even seen Waka and Dakota Hudson have decent starts the last two nights. Miami just doesn't hit as well as home. Uh, so, yeah, Michael is definitely a good start tonight. I've got to think a big guy tonight will be uh, Mike Soroka against Mitch Keller. Uh, it's Atlanta's minus 220. Do you like Soroka tonight, and do you like a uh, brave stack? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I could see Keller pitching well here. I picked him up in a couple leagues. Uh, one of them, he's active. The other one, he isn't. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Keller pitched well. His first start, he obviously struggled in the first inning on Memorial Day, but then settled down and was fine. He's put up good numbers in the minor league. So I wouldn't be surprised if Keller has a good start here. All right, Seattle's playing Minnesota. Tommy Malone looks like the primary against Jose Berrios. Berrios at home, uh, a big favorite tonight. Yeah, I mean, you got to like him. He always pitches well at home. He's got the Twins offense to back him up. So uh, I got to think he's one of the more popular guys on this slate. All right, let's see what else we have here. Milwaukee against Houston. Brandon Woodruff against Justin Verlander, who's always expensive. Yeah, seven and a half in this game. Houston is favored, minus 130. Woodruff's been really good. Uh, you don't like to pick on this lineup here, even though it's not the same. Uh, but Woodruff has been good. And uh, Verlander's been dominant. 
uh, 2.31 ERA, and uh, we can't say that about a lot of pitchers this year with the way the uh, ball's flying out of the parks. Seven and a half run total, so you know that's the lowest of the night. Would you play Woodruff as a, as a SP2 on DK? Yeah, I think you can. Okay. He's Detroit well against. He has pitched well this year. Detroit against Kansas City. Daniel Norris against Danny Duffy. Yeah, Duffy has had a couple good starts this year, and I know Detroit's a lineup we can pick on. Uh, I just don't have confidence in him. Uh, the last two starts out, I mean, they were Boston and Texas, so you have to take that into account. He was okay against the Yankees and the Angels, so uh, it's you know what? It's probably the best matchup he's had this year. Uh, some more GPP, but I, I don't trust him. All right, then we're looking at Joey Lucchese against Sean Anderson, the Padres against the Giants. We both like Lucchese. Is this a good spot for him? Yeah. I mean, anytime you're going against the Giants in their ballpark, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, Lucchese, uh, I know at times this year he's been pretty cheap on FanDuel, uh, and he's pitched at least six innings in three of his last four starts. He's been hurt by the home run ball lately, too. Five home runs in his last four starts, but this is an environment where it shouldn't be much of a problem against that light-hitting Giants team. So uh, he did face them once this year in April and got smacked around, allowed seven runs in four innings, but uh, that was two months ago, so I'm not going to let that sway me. I think he's uh, one of the pitchers to consider tonight. All right, on FanDuel, Verlander's 11-1, Soroka's 10-6. Barrios 9-6, Mikolas 76, Mitch Keller 55. 5,500, Ronas. That's crazy. Yeah, well, because he's a big risk. He wasn't good big his risk, first right. outing. That's why. Right. But he's not a bad pitcher. No, he's not. That's why I picked him up. Uh, you know, I heard that they, they didn't officially name him the starter, I think, till like yesterday or two days ago. But over the weekend... The GM said he is in line to potentially start on Wednesday. So I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to take a shot. This is a, a good arm at AAA. People are going to remember his first outing. Like, oh, he sucks. Uh, but, you know, it could have been nerves, whatever it was. But that first inning was bad. But he bounced back and was okay the rest of the way. So uh, I think, you know, they, they kind of need him right now. Jordan Lyles on the injured list as well. So that opened up another spot. So uh, I'm taking a shot on him in season-long leagues. Would you rather have Mikolas at 76 or Keller at 5,500? Mikolas. Yeah. Mikolas is 7,200 on DraftKings. Keller's 7,000. But I could go like Mikolas Keller and go, and go cheap and then see. I mean, I just don't want to pay. I like Soroka, but, I mean, Verlander at 11-3 with Woodruff, it doesn't make me warm and fuzzy. Uh, Verlander's probably as safe as they come right now, but then again, it is Milwaukee, and he's got Yelich to deal with. But, uh, yeah, there's a reason why he saw. He's been one of the more consistent pitchers this year. He is at home in the Astros. Uh, it is a good pitcher's part. I think Berrios may be my favorite pitcher of the night, or does Seattle worry you because they can take him deep at any time? No, I think Berrios is in a good spot tonight. Uh, Seattle has been very erratic, but they strike out a lot, so... Uh, he, he should be in a good spot tonight. You're getting a $1,500 savings on him on FanDuel, and on DraftKings, you're saving only 1000 Yeah, we, uh, we've seen uh, the pricing has been crazy this year. It really year. has. It really has. The pricing is 
Pricing is tight. Jordan Mamamoto, 7,500. That seems a little expensive, don't you think, for a guy who's never pitched a game? Yes. I'd much rather the guy from last night. He had a good start last night. Hernandez, yeah, Hernandez. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, thought he was a I... decent option yesterday. Yeah, we talked about him, right? I, I didn't play him. I wanted to. That was, my, that was my big mistake of the evening. I had a good night. Yeah, was... but I would have had a great night. Yeah, he was cheap. I think he had seven Ks, so he did the job for what you needed. You just didn't want to see him get bombed. He did not. All right, let's turn our attention very quickly to uh, the NFL, where Todd Gurley says, I'm okay. I'm going to be ready for camp. I I've had it worse in college. Does that make you feel any better about this whole situation? No. Uh, and there's a lot of people who are not worried about it at all. And I'm a little surprised. Like, I still see some people like, yeah, oh, you're going to let me take him in the second round? I'll take him. Uh, again, last year, big games. He wasn't available. You could say, well, he's going to have all offseason to rest and he'll be fine. Yeah. And then what happens when he goes through a few games and it acts up again? And they've already said they don't want him to be a bell cow running back. And he could still have fantasy value if he's not uh, a guy that gets three, 350 touches. But... You know, you have to have this in the back of your mind that this knee is a problem. So, yeah, it doesn't make me feel, okay, he says he's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I'm good. I'm drafting him. I'm still going to shy away. Didn't I always say to you never take uh, injury advice from a player? I never trust injury advice from a player. Players want to play. That's what they do. I get it. I understand it. But when he goes, this is small, it's not small to me. So my fantasy season's on the line here, and if I draft you and you screw me over, I'm in big trouble. Players are always optimistic when it comes to injuries. You know, a guy could tear his ACL not knowing and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be there next week. So you got to be very careful, and that's why I've always said when players start talking pessimistically about an injury, that's a major red flag. That's what worried me about me about Paxton. I mean, Paxton was saying, yeah, the knee's still sore, but you know what? It's something I could pitch through. Uh, okay, you know, good luck with that. How are you feeling? Uh, did you see, I'm sure you saw it, that the Raiders will be on hard knocks. Does that team interest you? You really want to find out more about what's going on with John Gruden? Because honestly, I would have liked to have seen it more when they go to Vegas, not now. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping it would be someone different. But, you know, you got Antonio Brown and all, everything that goes on with him. And, you know, Gruden obviously has the good personality. So, I mean, yeah, they could have been more interesting teams. But, again, I think there's a lot of teams that don't want to do it. Would you want them doing it? See, would you, no. would you want them anywhere near you? No. If I was a coach, no. I th I've, got to, I've told you this before. I think it totally exposes bad coaches. And I think it totally distracts the players. I really do. And I, I, I think it gives, you know, I, I like the whole, you know, here's the underdog player. Maybe he makes the cut. But I don't know. I think the players don't concentrate like they need to. What team has ever played well after being on hard knocks? I don't know. I haven't done, I haven't tallied it up. But they usually, I mean, we don't, I mean, we're never getting New England. You know, <laughs> that's never going to happen. Right. Speaking of New England, Sony Michelle has a knee scope. Oh, man, are you drafting that guy? No, uh, you got to be concerned about him, too. Uh, his knees has always been an issue, and uh, now you're going to start to see uh, Harris rise up draft boards. And, you know, people are wondering, well, why, why are they taking him? You know, what, what is New England doing? And, uh, you know, this maybe could have been a reason why. I wondered about that, too, specifically because you had James White, you had Michelle who played so well, and you had Rex Burkhead who played great. I mean, where does Damian Harris fit in on a normal Sunday? Where does he play? 
that's what everyone was thinking when they drafted him, but they must have in the back of their minds know, you know what? This knee of uh, Sonny Michelle could be a problem, so let's have an insurance plan and get another running back just in case, and uh, that's where Damian Harris comes in now. I guess so. I mean, look, I, I think Harris is an okay player. I, I just think guys like this, there's a lot of talk about them, and they go higher than they need to in drafts. Well, that's probably what will happen here. Uh, you know, they're saying it's just a simple cleanup procedure, but, you know, it's definitely a concern. I mean, he's had knee issues for a while. So, you know, he could still be on the field and maybe he starts the season, but you're worried about him holding up over the entire season. So my friend did a draft last night. It was a draft and go best ball. Henderson went in round six. Todd Gurley went in round two. To the same team or no? No. Stupid, right? The team that took Hopkins, he took Hopkins at one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, at seven. Took Gurley in round two, AJ Green in three, Marlon Mack in four, Geis in five. Then he takes Corey Davis and he doesn't take Henderson. What are you, an idiot? Yeah, see, but that's the thing too, man, is like if you're taking Gurley that early, you know, like, oh, I now I got to take an early pick on Henderson. I'd much rather have Henderson than Corey Davis. Corey Davis is a team that doesn't throw the ball that much. And if Gurley is shot, you don't have Henderson anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. As Maybe some people, I still think there's a contingent of people out there that are not concerned about Gurley. That they think it's not a big deal because it's the offseason and he's just resting and they think he's going to be fine. There are people that feel that way. What do you think about Geis going around five? Do you feel good about that? Not right now. I mean, I love the talent. I was drafting him last year before the injury, but... You know, where's he at right now? Why did they sign Peterson? Uh, Thompson's still there. So I think he's a guy that you want to see in training camp and in games if he gets the opportunity to play. I know they said I think he's on pace right now, but uh, it's, it's a little risky for me in round five at this point. Round one was Barkley, McCaffrey, uh, Zeke Kamara, Adams, David Johnson, Hopkins, Gordon Beckham. Okay, then it was Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. Julio, then it went James Conner, Michael Thomas, Juju, then Julio Jones. Julio Jones, the fourth pick of the second round. I mean, he could be going to the first round in drafts. Yeah, that's a steal. Uh, I'd be ecstatic. If he came to me at that point, I'd be like, thank you, guys. I mean, Could Julio- you imagine starting Beckham and Julio Jones? Yeah, look, Julio's been – I don't – I understand people get frustrated with him because of the lack of touchdowns, but he was more consistent with it last year. And look at the numbers he puts up each and every single year, man. I don't know how you could be down on Julio Jones. Now, Would you have taken Julio over Juju? Yes. All right, so the tight end discussion, Kelsey went after Julio, but before Gurley and Evans. Kittle went with uh, the third-to-last pick in round two – and Zach Ertz went as the first pick in round three. I, I think Kittle will be gone in round two and Ertz in round three. That's what's going to happen. So you think in most drafts that Kittle will go first? I do. I do. Yes. Do you? I think it's going to be mixed depending on the drafts. But I think maybe people are maybe getting a little bit more concerned about the target shift for Ertz with Goddard there, all the weapons they added. And they look at Kittle and say, well, yeah, they've added a lot of receivers, but he should still get a huge target share. So maybe that's why it's shifting a little bit. But I, I think you'll see some drafts where Ertz goes ahead of Kittle. 
I think if you have, you know where I want to be this year, Adam? Pick three, four, or five. Because if those people take Kittle and Ertz, guys like Thielen and Cooper and Stefan Diggs are lasting to you. That's pretty good in round three. If I could start like McCaffrey, uh, Chubb, Diggs, dude, I'm happy with that. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of people who feel like the top three tight ends are so far above everyone else. They feel like they're going to have an advantage if they draft one. So those they are going to be gone. Uh, they pre- you might see all three go in the second round as we get closer to this right. Season. So I think if you're in the third, if you're picking early enough in the third round, Keenan Allen, Thielen, Amari Cooper, Diggs, all those guys should be there for you. They should, and then you know, obviously, the key is then you know finding uh, a tight end late, which is possible. Again, look where Kittle was being drafted last year. You know, I wrote him up as he was the tight end to target last year, and I didn't think he would have that great of a season. Uh, said it, but you know that that's the key then is kind of finding the tight ends, and you know you get a crack, take two, and of course uh, maybe someone emerges off the waiver wire. So it doesn't mean you're dead if you don't get one of the elite three tight ends. Can I tell you? You got to find them. What cost me a fortune was I loved Kittle, loved him going into the year, but that shoulder injury I backed off and I shouldn't have. Yeah, I did that too in my home league. I remember looking and I'm like, ah, should I take him? I was like, ah, he's got this injury. He has a history of injuries. You know what? Now I'll pass. And I look back and I'm like, oh, man, why did I? I should have just stuck with the gut. I mean, I wrote him up like in June. Like this is the tight end to target in rounds eight or nine. That's, I mean, when you know you had it and you miss it because of silly things like that, was, seriously, if he doesn't get mis- get uh, injured, I'm taking him in every draft. Every draft. Not for sure. All right, my man, I wish I wish you a great, uh, great vacation. And we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back right after this.